Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to College Football Tailgate. Today is January 4th, 2021. Happy New Year, everybody out there. Uh, Happy New Year. I'm here, as always, with Tyler Walji. Tyler, hello. Hello, William. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, too. We've got an interesting show today, a little different show. Uh, I'm obviously, I'm sure all the listeners can tell now from the audio, I'm not in the studio. I'm we're doing this through a teleconference, you could say. Um, you sound no, so it. much I'm... better today than you normally sound. You sound tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Well, it's good that I sound good. I got to do some some self isolating. My uh, my girlfriend, uh, you know, we found out that we may have been exposed to COVID, so we're uh, we're self isolating here and. Uh, so that means not we can't get in the Woos Media Studios today. So we're doing this over phone, which also unfortunately means that producer Smitty uh, is not in the studio either. You know, uh, because of how we do uh, audio, doing this over the phone. Uh, no producer Smitty. To. I'm in his seat today. It's weird. Producer Tyler. Yes, yeah. producer so Tyler. Shout, shout out to Smitty. Yeah. Shout out to Smitty. We miss him. We're hoping that uh, once I get my my test results back this week. They come back negative and uh, they'll make me back in the studio next week. Don't you feel like it's kind of like Uh, a video game? Like you get to a certain level and then if you quote unquote, you know, if you happen to die or whatever, it's like you've been exposed and you have to go back to the first (laughs) level and start over from there. So basically what you're saying is you're a, uh, what is it, that Buddhism? You're believing in reincarnation? <laughs> that if I die from COVID, in that video I game form, Yes, over? in video game form, I do. And by the way, if this, watched, were, uh, if this were a video game, I'd be doing very well by this point. I'd be on like level five. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what level I'd be on, but uh, I feel pretty confident about it. You never watched uh, True Detective, the series, did you? No, no. I watched Time False is Detective. is a flat circle. But... <laughs> Shout out to uh, to True Detective. Time is a flat about, circle, but yeah, time anyways. is a flat circle. That sounds uh, sounds deep. <laughs> it is deep. But yeah, you uh, ever but hear yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson? You ever listen to him? Yeah, I listen. I've listened to a little bit of him. He's pretty. That's cool. kind of what he says. You know, stuff like that. Like time is a flat circle. We are an yeah. ambiguance of our surroundings. Mm, we're getting now. We're really getting into some deep psychological shit, huh? Well, I mean, if you want to really go deep, we can talk a little Mike Leach for today because he's the deepest coach in college football. But besides that, I mean, oh we're boy, deep. Well, not to give it away, we got a great show today, but yes, he's definitely going to be a topic at some point later on. Uh, we are going to uh, cover, you know, the coaching changes. Obviously, we're going to talk about the playoffs, the bowl games, and then we're going to end the show with our picks, our best bets for the championship game for next Monday night. It's going to be a pr- pretty uh, quick show today. Rather quick show for, yeah, for, for quick, what we normally quick do. show, quick show. And, uh, it is a bummer that the season is coming to an end, but, uh, you know, it's been it's, all things considered. It's good that we got the season going and, uh, and, and we got to watch as much football as we did. And now we've got coaching changes, Tyler. Um, a couple things here, uh, Texas, the big one of Texas, Tom Herman got fired officially. Uh, they went ahead and hired Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator from Alabama. Um, what do you think about this hire, Tyler? I love it. I love Steve Sarkeesian coming in. They needed a guy like this who was a big name, but someone who wasn't going to take the program over. Like, I think we can all agree that the boosters and the athletic department, they're still going to control Steve Sarkeesian, right? It's not like he's going to come in and steamroll anybody. But that was the kind of hire they needed. A big coach, a well-known coach who's done well on the West Coast and the SEC. That was a great hire. I understand Tom Herman has had a good record. What is he, 32 and 18 or something like that? 18, yeah. It's like... I think it's like high 60s, low 70%, something he, he like that. He didn't do bad. He had a good run at Texas, but let's face it, they're ready to take the next step. And I think Sark can do that. He had his run in at USC, whatever. He went, like I said, to the SEC. He's done well. I mean, can you name a job that Steve Sarkeesian has taken where he's completely failed? I know US, USC didn't really work out tremendously, but has he ever failed wherever he's gone? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he, he he had a little run in the NFL there too as an offensive coordinator. He did he did a good job there. I think with the Falcons. Yeah. So I agree with you. You know, his I think his 
shortcomings at SC were more personally related than really on the field. And that's what everyone um, remembers. And- that's what everybody remembers is what happened in the Pac-12, how bad that was. It, frankly, it wasn't a good look, right? It was not good. But now sure, he's sure. got a chance to take over a blue blood program, get some great recruits, build a nice staff around him. I really think this could be one of the great hires of the decade. He could stay at Texas now for a long time, turn that program around. I love the hire of Steve, uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, you know, I like it. I think the, I think we're going to find out soon, um, you know, what kind of job he can do there because Texas certainly is, you know, Tom Herman did a good job of recruiting. There's a lot of talent there uh, left over for him. You know, I do wonder. I mean, it's, it's interesting to look at because I don't know that everyone is quite calling this the slam dunk hire that they did when they hired Tom Herman. But, you know, people forget uh, after Tom Herman his struggle with Texas, but when he was hired, I mean, he was the number one guy in, in, in all the coaching circles, the number one uh, target for everyone, and, and everyone was louding Texas when they hired him. And so, you know, I certainly hope that, uh, that Sark does well there and he can succeed. Um, yeah, but I do I- wonder, too, you know, Oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Will. It's weird being apart. I miss you so much, Will. But, I know. But, but it's, <laughs> it's just different because you look at a Steve Sarkeesian who hasn't had his own program in a long time. And then, you know, when, when, yep. when Tom Herman got hired, he was the hot commodity. He was the, the, the coach everyone wanted. He had just come off a yep. very, very successful season. It's that always doesn't work out. You know, we see a lot of coaches who do well and then they get an opportunity and it just kind of plateaus. So I don't put a lot of stock into the whole uh, what you've done last year, last couple of years. You know, I, S- Steve Sarkeesian didn't have to go 10 and one this year with or 10 and two with, a, a, you know, a lower, a lower level program. I think what he did at Alabama proves that he can be just fine. Now, I think we also have to we, – we shouldn't be over the top because a lot of good coaches could go be the offensive coordinator at Alabama and succeed, right? So there's yeah. kind of an even yeah. medium here. Yeah, that's exactly the point I was going to make is that, uh, you know, and look, he's done a great job there. It's not taking anything away, but you or I could probably score 20 points a game as the offensive coordinator Maybe you. Alabama Don't put me in that category. Have. Maybe you. I, I couldn't. <laughs> But uh, but either way, you know, like he he's already been a head coach, and then for him to go to a, you know the NFL and then to a place like Alabama, you know, certainly he he will have picked up a lot of you know things that a successful coach like Nick Saban has done that can maybe improve you know his head coaching abilities from before. Um, so I like the hire. I'm excited to see how it works out. You know, that's one of the bigger uh, Texas, one of the bigger programs in all of college football, and so it's exciting whenever you see a new coach coming into a big program like that. So. You know, I think both you and I are on the same page there. We want to see him do well. Uh, a couple other uh, head coaches that got uh, hired and or fired, you could say. Um, uh, well, we are, we talked about it on last week's show, I think. But Boise State, when they, when Brian Harson left to become the Auburn head coach, uh, they they were looking to fill that spot, and everyone and everyone's initial target was Kellen Moore, who was the quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, of course a former Boise State Bronco quarterback himself. And just, I think, today or yesterday, he signed a extension with the Cowboys, the offensive coordinator, which means he's not going to Boise State. Um, and so their, their uh, coaching search yet to be filled. That's good for big, Boise. Uh, the- well, good for Boise. They didn't need Kellen Moore. Look, he went to <laughs> Boise. He's been the offensive coordinator of the worst offense the last decade in the NFL. When did he become the hot commodity? Just because he graduated from there? It's like, I don't buy that one bit. I truly, truly believe Boise State dodged a bullet by not going with this guy. I mean, I'm going to start calling him Kellen Less because I don't think he's going to be <laughs> doing very well at all next year, year after. I mean, again, he's average, not great. I think Boise can do a lot better. I think he did He did solid there. You know, he's been there, I think, this is his third year as offensive coordinator. I think he's done, he did okay. Obviously, this year, you know, we don't have to get into the NFL stuff too much, but once they lost Dak Prescott, things changed. He just seemed like the perfect fit being a former grad. But you know what? Maybe you're right. He's obviously never been a head coach. But I also think think we should start calling him Kellen Less. I think Kellen Less. Or what about is is it proper to call him Kellen Fewer? Whatever. Kellen Same. How about (laughs) about Kellen Same? Because he's really not more or less. He's just the same. Look, I think that any any head coach at Boise State's going to win. A lot of games there. They're they're a program that is in such a good shape, and in the Mountain West, they really don't don't have a lot of competition. 
I think he could win there. I think a lot of guys could win there, and you know, we'll see who they end up hiring. Uh, one name you know you could maybe look look at is uh, Doc Holliday, who Marshall just decided Ooh, not to extend his contract good. or fire. Coolest name in coaching by far. I mean, come on, he's named after an old West legend like Doc Holliday. <laughs> um, I think you could maybe maybe see him uh, end up at a spot like that, but uh, you know we're going to find out soon. Plus, Doc Holliday. I mean. What a better name around like Christmas or Thanksgiving or Halloween. You're Doc Holiday, you know. You've, you've Doc you've, Holiday. Yeah, exactly. He's the guy. I'm your Huckleberry. And uh, one more, one more piece of coaching news here. Not necessarily. I, I think it's kind of college football related uh, by association. But uh, a name being thrown out to coach the Jacksonville Jaguars is Urban Meyer right I now. love it. I re- love it. There's all these reports. So here's, here's why I like it. The reports are that is that he wants, uh, you know, to be paid uh, on the same level as Bill Belichick and his highest paid NFL coaches. But another report that I saw, I think it was Ian Rappaport tweeted this out. He said that if Urban Meyer were to turn down the job, that is the Jack number one choice is Urban Meyer. They're, the next name that they want to target is Ryan Day at Ohio wow. State. Wow. And the, the reason why I think they're going after both these guys is because since the Jags have lost the number one pick in the draft and they're not going to have Trevor Lawrence anymore, a lot of people think they may take Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback, reunite him with either Urban Meyer or uh, Ryan Day. And so I think it's really interesting to see to, it's what we see over the next week or two if Ryan Day takes that job. You know, if, if the rumors about, or sorry, if, if Urban Meyer takes that job, and if the rumors well, about Ryan Day being so, a target are true, you know, who knows if he's going to leave. But, but I, I do believe the Jags do have the first overall pick. And so they're going to. No, no, it's the number. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm the sorry. Jets, they, they the stole Jets away have fallen back. Yeah, so they're still going to take Trevor Lawrence. But look. Whether he reunites with Fields or something like that, or gets Trevor Lawrence, I don't think that's going to keep Urban Meyer from taking the job. He's going to get a good quarterback, right? He's going to get one of these young, great guys who he wants. It's about, does he want to coach? And if he thinks he can take on the responsibility of coaching in the NFL, he will take this job, you know? What we've heard him say before is health reasons, family reasons, all these different, right. you know, and I'm not going to call them excuses because if anyone tells me they can't, I will, the they're family, excuses. No, man. I mean, well, <laughs> or, or it's kind of like, you know how I love the show survivor, right? You know how yeah, sometimes we're a big survivor fan. Oh, I'm a big survivor guy. So sometimes it's like most times it's kind of against the unwritten rule, not to swear on your family. Right. If you go, I swear on my family, I'm going to take you to the final three. Right. And you don't mm. take that person to the final three, they'll come back and kind of, they'll, they'll make you pay for it. Well, here it's different. When you start making promises and you start doing things here or there, that's all different, right? And, and I think that Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville, look, I think he's going to succeed, man. No matter what, no matter who he gets, no matter what happens, he's going to be just fine in Jacksonville. So I think it's a great hire. I really do. Interesting. Well, we'll see if he gets there. I, you know, I kind of find myself on the other side. I, I don't know that he would succeed, and it's not because I've been open about, you know, like I don't like Urban Meyer being a Michigan fan. Um, I, I haven't like I didn't like him even before that when he was in Florida. But the reason why I I'm not sure that he would succeed in the NFL is because I think that what made Urban Meyer such a great college coach is I mean, look, he's a great leader, he's a great coach. It doesn't I don't think he's going to go zero and sixteen. A part of being a college coach and being a great one is motivating players. And the difference between that and, and the pros is that in the pros, the players have almost as much power as the coach. You know, he can't go in there and scream at these guys and demean them and tell them they're not tough enough like he can in a college program, right? And when you go into an NFL locker room where, you know, guys are making more money than you are and they're more important to the franchise than you are, I don't know that he's going to have that same kind of sway. Now, look, Maybe, can he adjust and, and just become more of an NFL-style coach? Maybe. I just don't think – I'm afraid that he goes in, tries to do things his way, like we've seen other college coaches like Chip Kelly and others go in and say, I'm going to do it my way, and ends up you know, two or three years okay. down, down, the, uh, down the road, the players, he loses the locker room and he's fired. So first of all, back to my point, because I remembered where I was going with that, do you think that he would swear on his family or make a family excuse if it really wasn't a family issue, right? Because what I was saying with Survivor, all that, like sometimes they're right. like, you can't swear on your family. Like for this, do you think he would ever say uh, it's a health issue, it's a family issue, if it really wasn't a health or family issue? I, 
Look, I don't know. I, I think that it's kind of like a half-truth when he's – because when he said the same thing when he left Florida. He said, I'm quitting because of health issues and I want to spend more time with my family. And then he took a year off and then he went back to Ohio State. Now, look, I'm not saying that he's, uh, that he's completely lying, like he doesn't care about his health or he doesn't care about spending time with his family. I just think that, you know, maybe that's true at the moment. And then when another job comes up, all of a sudden maybe it's not as true anymore. You know, like these, these guys that are lifetime coaches – you know, they're, they're, they're addicted to this stuff and, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he goes there and then maybe then he can, you know, it's just been, we've, we've heard the, the health, you know, I, I wouldn't call it an excuse because we know that the, the cysts in his brain are real, but we've heard him play that card a couple times and it wouldn't surprise me if he did it again. Okay. Now, now, now to the other point, don't you think that going to the NFL would actually take some of that stress away? Because a lot of college football coaching is recruiting, keeping up on your players, the grades, are they getting into trouble? When you're an NFL coach, you have one thing to worry about, winning next week's game. So I think that's actually helping Urban Meyer. There's a lack of stress. There's a lack of other distractions. If he goes to that environment, he may succeed. I don't know. I I think that the NFL is probably more stressful because to me, what what it seemed like to me when he was at Ohio State and he was going through all these health issues and the stress was aggravating that and making it worse is what really stresses him out is, is losing. He doesn't like to lose. And in the NFL, you're not going to be able to just, you know, it's not going to be 12 and 0, 10 and two every year. There's going to be years where he goes eight and eight or worse, right? He's going to have to get used to losing. And that's something that he just hasn't had to deal with in college, um, you know, losing records. And I, I wonder if that could actually make it more stressful and make his health complications even worse. So that's interesting. That's really interesting. If, if he'll even, if he'll even take the job, we'll see. Um, but it, it is worth noting that the report did say that if they can't get Urban, they're going to try to go after Ryan Day, and who knows what happens with that. Right. Um, but uh, staying on that topic, Tyler, we need to start talking about the playoffs and do our bowl game recap here. And I think there's no better place to start than with the Ohio State cleansing game. And really, to me, this is Ohio State telling the whole world to shut up. They're shutting up all the haters. They ended up dominating Clemson 49-28. to 28. Uh, Look, for me, when I was watching this game, the one the one thing I kept thinking was, as a Michigan fan, I should have known this was going to happen. Because if you're a Michigan fan, you know that if you talk shit about Ohio State, they're going to come back and they're going to completely kick your ass. And for weeks before this game leading up, we had Dabo Sweeney, you know, ranking Ohio State 11th in his coach's poll, you know, saying, oh, they only had six games. The, the film study is going to be really short. He was, he was taking shots at Ohio State, and you add that to the revenge factor that Ohio State had um, and the fact that Ohio State, they didn't have to play, they didn't play Michigan this year, so maybe some of that added anger and hatred that they would normally get out on the team up north was directed towards Clemson, and uh, I think you and I were both caught by surprise with this game. Totally. I mean... That was one of the biggest surprises all year long. You know, when you you get such a great Clemson team who's done so well all year long and they look unstoppable, and then they get to that game, it's like, holy cow. Now, I will say, I picked Clemson. I liked Clemson, but all week I was going back and forth. I'm like, Ohio State is plus seven points here, you know? And it seemed weird, but... That doesn't mean a damn thing unless you bet on them and you back them. And that's something I didn't do. And I'm upset with myself, yep. but you know what? End of the day, you've got to give Ryan Day and this Ohio State team credit. They're very, very good. They're going to get rolled next week by Alabama, but they're a very good team. Interesting. Well, look, you know, Ohio State, they always have the talent and the upside. But, you know, this year, this year we really didn't see them put it all together especially on defense. In this game, they, they put it together on offense and defense. So, look, I'm not going to issue an apology here because I don't think anyone in their right mind would have predicted an outcome like this. You might have said, okay, Ohio State's going to keep it close. They're going to cover. Maybe they win a close game. Almost no one was predicting this game. I mean, look, Justin Fields, he went fucking bananas. He had six touchdowns and only six incompletions. Uh, and he did it all while he got beat up badly by Clemson's defense. He was taking some shots. He got hurt. Uh, Trey Sermon, the running back, he went nuts again. Uh, the, here's an interesting stat for you. His last two games against Northwestern and then Clemson, 60 carries, 589 yards, three <laughs> touchdowns. It's just ridiculous. Oh, that wow. run game just kind of came out of nowhere. 
Yeah, that's crazy. Then, I mean, I mean, you look at what they've been doing all year long, and it's one thing. And then they ta- they they turn it up a notch in the playoffs, yep. and they become even better. So it's uh, that's what championship teams do, and they looked very good. Trey Sermon's great for sure. For sure, you had Chris Olave coming back. He he missed a, you know. Chris a Olave weeks, is uh, Agave. From, Remember, Chris Olave is Agave. Uh, Chris, Chris Olave is Agave. A great yes. business name. Once again, Tyler, the <laughs> king of business names that rhyme. But look, he he reminded everyone how good he is. I still think he's the most underrated wide receiver in college football. No one really talks about this guy on the same level as some of those other top guys. He had six catches, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, look, we all knew the Buckeyes' offense could score when they play well, but man, the defense, I mean, they held Clemson to 44 rushing yards on 22 carries. And I know that Clemson's offensive coordinator was out. He wasn't able to coach because of COVID. I'm sure that had something to do with it, but still very impressive. And then you look on the other side of the football there and Brett Venables, his vaunted defense, a defense that I've lauded before many others have gave up 639 yards of offense to Ohio state. Just, just ridiculous. The Buckeyes are in the finals. They deserve to be there. Great job. They blew Clemson out, something I did not expect to happen, but that's college football for you. Yep, and then to go to the other playoff game, uh, Bama, they blew out there Notre Dame, go, too. There we go, They, 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 they do give up the backdoor cover, and Tyler gets the uh, the bedboard victory. Look, this is I, I don't think that I'm I'm uh, I'm going too far here. That was a bad beat. Look, you had Notre Dame <laughs> no. had the ball – Late, it was fourth down. Uh, uh, Alabama stops them on third down, and Notre Dame brings out the punt team. They take a timeout, decide to go for it. They get the fourth down conversion, uh, and then and then they hit a big play. And, and Nick Saban, he gets a, a flag for screaming at the refs or whatever. He gets a 15-yard flag, puts Notre Dame right in the scoring position, and sure enough, they get the garbage time touchdown. You know what? You can't Tyler, hear. Tyler you gets can't, the bedboard victory. You can't hear sound effects because you're not in studio. But I'm going to play something that you can hear <laughs> later on. You know, that's just okay. like uh, okay. your opinion, man. There you go. You can listen to that do later. I, do well. I at least get a hint? Do I at least get a hint <laughs> as to what it was? Absolutely zero hints. You can listen later, and that's oh, what I think boy. of your recap. Well, I'm sure it was very classy and uh, something only only the classy Tyler Waldry would ever do. Exactly. Look, you were right, and, and the back door was always an option. It's baked into the number, so I'm not, uh, you know, I do think it was a little bit of a bad beat just how that last scoring drive went. But still, Notre Dame was tough. Um, they were getting their asses kicked. And look, it's not just on Notre Dame. Bama left some points on the on the field there at the end. They had a couple scoring opportunities where they didn't get anything from but it. But, Will, that Not all goes hair. back to my point that Alabama had zero reason to run it up. When, Al- when Notre Dame was driving in the last, when Notre Dame's driving in the last uh, portion of the game, Alabama's like, okay, you know, dime defense, prevent defense, who cares? Like, there was no motivation to keep things close. Absolutely zero. And that's part of the handicap is in the playoffs, Absolutely. Alabama doesn't have that incentive, so. Yeah, definitely. You were right on about that. And uh, look, I mean, Bama's defense, they look sharp, but I don't, I mean, I'm sure you'll agree with me, Tyler. Notre Dame's just not as dangerous on offense as a Clemson or Ohio State. Um, and, you know, look, they, they, they held Notre Dame to 14 points there, but I look at that Notre Dame offense, Ian Book, he's a nice piece, but, and I'm not, you know, trying to rag on him, but just, you know, compare him to the other three quarterbacks that were in the playoffs. You know, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields, it's not even close. And it does worry me a little bit about Bama having to face an offense like Ohio State in the championship game. So let's rank them right now. Quarterbacks in the final four, okay? Uh, I'm going to go Justin Fields. This is purely how they performed in the final four, okay? I'm going to go Justin Fields, number one. And I'm actually going to go Trevor Lawrence, number two. Oh, like, boy. I Come know on. Look at Mac Jones' stats. I know. Mac Jones did really well, but I think Trevor Lawrence was a victim of circumstance. He had that pick. Do you think that's a hot take? Am I being hot take by putting Trevor Lawrence number two? Yes, I do think it's a little It's a little bit uh, what's uh, Stephen A. Smithy. It's a, just, a, just a little bit. It's, it's not, I wouldn't, you're really more Colin Coward territory, so it's not, it's not scorching hot. But it's, Hey, it's you warm. love Colin Coward. Look, Easy. Yeah, yeah, he's my favorite. Uh, Mac Jones, Mac Jones, he went 25 for 30 for four touchdowns. So, look, if we were ranking them based off of how good they are overall, I wouldn't have any problem with that. I, I would put Trevor Lawrence number one, but if we're just going off the playoffs, I think it goes Fields, Jones, 
Lawrence and then Ian Book after that. For sure, and I respect that. But here's the one thing I want to take away from this season, and one thing I want our listeners to remember. You don't have to win a national championship or even a big bowl game to be a good quarterback, and that's a part of a good defense. And Ian Book this year was not talked about at all. Ian Book went out every week, did his job, was tough, ran the football when he was asked to run the football, had a very good completion percentage, and he finished third team all ACC behind Trevor Lawrence and and Derek King. I really think that if you look at how good he can be and what he does, he's actually undervalued. I know you have taken your shots at him this year. I know other people have too, but look, Will, Ian Book is a good quarterback. I agree. Look, he is nice. I just don't know. You know, I, I just don't think he's the guy that can get you to the, the promised land in today's college football. I don't think he's the, the type of guy who can drop back and throw the ball 40 times and, and beat, a, you know, an elite defense. And that's fine. Look, he has been good. He's been good for Notre Dame. Notre Dame's had a great uh, season up until this point. But, you know, I do want to bring up this stat uh, I saw after this game. Notre Dame, since uh, 1998, Notre Dame is now 0-7 in BCS or New York uh, New Year's Six Bowl games. And in those seven games, they've been outscored by 161 points. That's not good. But don't you think that's more a factor of what I try and talk about all the time and being real with college football, being real with the rankings? Like, teams like Notre Dame... And I'm sorry, but Michigan, you know, teams who are in that category just don't live up to the hype year after year. There's so much more expectation than there is delivering for those kind of programs. I'm not trying to be a downer, but that's just kind of how things go. No, I agree. Look, I think you're right. And I think that what it is is that the, the, you know, what they've got, they played a lot of good teams in those, and they've gotten tough matchups. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm, they're definitely not in that top tier of college football program, but maybe they're at the top of the next level. And what it really just shows is the gap between the truly elite college football teams and that next level where Notre Dame is right now. I think a lot of people still are, are thinking about the, uh, the days in the 50s, 60s, 70s. I mean, Notre Dame at one point in college football was so much more dominant than Alabama yeah, is yeah, today. Sure. You know, think about Lou Holtz, what he did. They put their pants on the same way we do. Dude, they were good <laughs> for a long time. And so that's what people remember is the history of these teams and what they used to do, you know? Uh, that might be my favorite impression you've ever done, Tyler. <laughs> love it, love it. But look, in this playoff, the ACC is a big loser. They got two teams in the playoff. Both of them got hammered. Uh, I thought this was a tweet I saw from Peter Burns from ESPN. Uh, after, it was after the Clemson game. Last two years, the ACC is 4-13 and 13 in bowl games. Two of those four wins came against Eastern Michigan and Temple, and they're 1-9 and nine versus top 25 teams. Compare that to the SEC in the last two years, 15-4 and four in bowl games, 12-3 and three versus top 25 teams. Wow. That, when you put it that That's way, it's bad like, number. wow, that is... That's and look, astounding. we've all known that the ACC hasn't been good. It's just been cleansing. This was the first year that Notre Dame was officially an ACC member. And this mm-hmm. is just more reason. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people wanted after this year for Notre Dame to stay permanently. If you're Notre Dame, you got zero incentive to. They got they wouldn't have had to play Clemson the second time if they weren't. You know, they're, it's, it's better for them to stay independent. There's no way they go to the ACC. Everything benefits them independent. Yeah, they're going to stay independent yeah. for sure. Yes. Yep, definitely. And so, yep, they got destroyed. And I still don't think the Texas A&M fares any better against Alabama in that game. But you know who should have, Tyler? The team that should have been number four, and I think really does give Bama a run for the money, it's the Oklahoma Sooners. They played Florida in their uh, New Year's Six game. They dominate them 55-20. to Uh, The offense, all the weapons, Ramondre Stevenson, Denzel Mims, Spencer Rattler, they lit it up. And, uh, look, I know the early interceptions from Trask kind of killed the Gators, but with the OU's offense and, how, look, their defense by the end of the year, I think is one of the best in the country from where they started. Those two early losses just kill them. Otherwise, I think they're, you know, in the playoffs, probably the four seed, and I think they really give Alabama a run for their money. I completely agree. How good did OU look to end the season? I mean, those early losses in a normal year, they would be mitigated for. By the end of the year, unless yep. there were a bunch of other undefeated teams, OU would be in the conversation. So I Definitely. think the Sooners had such a good year. They looked so great. I think they have one of the better coaching staffs 
in all of co- of college football. And you just have to give it up. Once again, Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, come through. They are a great program, and they should be there every year. Just We should put Oklahoma in the conversation of Clemson, Alabama, those yes. kind of teams. They deserve yes. it. I agree. And look, I know that Florida had like all of their offensive weapons besides Kyle Trask weren't playing. And if they're in that, I think the score looks closer but Oklahoma's still winning that game. Their, their defense was great. Uh, Florida had no answer to stop their offense. I think they were for sure one of the best four teams. And here's, here's a question I got for you, Tyler. Look, Alabama has to replace Mac Jones, all their weapons on offense. Clemson's going to have to replace Trevor Lawrence. We think Ohio State is probably going to have to replace Justin Fields. Are the Sooners the easiest bet for the playoff next year with all the returning talent on offense and defense? Yes, for sure. Uh, you look at yeah. well, and the reason I say that is look at their path. Okay, their main rival will be getting a brand new head coach. Oklahoma State yeah. losing a couple seniors, and actually, I think the Cowboys will be their toughest bump in the road next year for sure. Will be, I, yeah. I agree with that? Oklahoma right now should be the favorite to make the playoffs next year. Definitely. Okay, love it, love it. Uh, staying in the Pac-12, Tyler, not to uh, not to hurt you personally, but Texas, yeah, they just dominate not, Colorado. They win fifty-five this. to twenty-three. Uh, Bedford victory for me, no big deal. Um, but look, rough game, tough matchup for CU. I love they, how they, every Bedford victory year. you have, you've got to like, <laughs> you've got to like rub it in a little bit. Go well, that was a bet. Will you do realize that Bedford's over this year, right? I have the I have the trophy. Yes. Yes. So where do you so where do you find a little <laughs> nugget here or there to say, by the way, got the bedboard, Tyler, ha ha. Hey, I mentioned no, I, I mentioned that you got the bedboard victory on Notre Dame. I threw you a bone, okay, and you're right. Yeah, and but what you do is when I win when I year? win, you you brush over it, you go, Okay, so Notre Dame and Alabama, Tyler got the bedboard victory there. Notre Dame lost by X amount of points, and you just go right into your thing. When you win That's what I just did. No, for me. No, 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 no. You go, whoa, so that was a bet board game for me. By the way, big dub, Will Chambers, sign autographs, tip your waitress. It's funny to watch him fall over. I'll be here all week. And then you get on with your whole rant. You make it a big deal. You know what? You're right. And uh, and, and kudos, kudos are in order to Tyler, who, look, you're right. You built such a lead on the bet board that, uh, it's over. Tyler won. You're up by three bets. You only have one game to go. And uh, and so you are the champion this year. Uh, once again, it came down to late game bowl season. And uh, and you deserve it. And you're the champ. Thank and you, Will. Right. I just wanted, I to will. Get, I wanted to get one little jab in after the bell there. <laughs> I have a uh, clip to play. So if you could please. This is a rather lengthy one. It's about seven or eight seconds. So if you could just give me about eight seconds here. I am you got smart. it. You got it. I am too smart. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. <laughs> oh, well. This is, this is torture, not being able to hear what you're playing. I can't. Now I'm going to have to wait like the listeners. Exactly. To that was the classic the one. The and, tailgaters and if I there. don't mind saying, I earned that last clip. I earned that one. Okay? I worked all year for victory. that one. Yes. Two years, two years in a row now that you've won the bet board title. And, uh, and look, I, I got nothing to say. You're the champ and, and you are the professional better. You do this for a living. So it does make sense, but it still hurts my feelings, Tyler. And I will be talking about it with my therapist well, later. No well, doubt. well, that's okay because I aim to hurt one thing on the show and that's feelings, <laughs> but I aim to not hurt another. And that's the bank account, right? We're not betting real money. Mm. We have fun with it. And hopefully, hopefully the listeners have wisened up at this point and follow my picks. But hey, I that's part of the fun about this show. They can side with one of us or the other, but that's what matters here, Will. It's the money of the audience. That's all I care about. I'm a philanthropist. I'm a goddamn philanthropist. That's true. Exactly. You know what? And I just care about the uh, the the bank accounts of all of our listeners. So it's been a good you year for me, real, and you guys are welcome. You're a real American hero, and he doesn't <laughs> do it for himself, folks. He does it for you. He does it for all the college exactly. football tailgate listeners out there. By the way, I should mention, because uh, we opened the show, if you didn't listen to last week's show, you're saying, what the hell is this college football tailgate? Just as a reminder, we changed the name of the podcast. We're rebranding a little bit. We were College Football Weekly. We're now College Football Tailgate. Uh, if you're subscribed, then it's no problem. It's just the name just changes, but the logo is different. The Twitter's different. You can now follow us at C 
CFB underscore pod, CFB underscore POD, just uh, as an aside there. But moving on, Tyler, uh, the Armed Forces Brawl. We talked about Mike Leach earlier and how he'd be the a Armed subject. Forces Bowl or Brawl? Um, uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which one was it? Because the game was ugly and the brawl was just as ugly, if you ask me. Look, Mike Leach, he, he's taking photos of fans while his players are starting a brawl. They're throwing punches. Uh, upon you know a video review, there was a bulldog player who was throwing punches. He kicked a uh, he kicked a uh, who was it they played? Who, who did Mississippi State play? Uh, Tulsa. Tulsa. He kicked a Tulsa player while he was down and then ran away. Total for uh, Mississippi State. He's got it on camera. You said you now think it was number forever. four. Sorry, we had a little disconnection there. We, you said you think it was number four. Yes, I think I think it was number four that did that. That, that was kicking a dude and then sprinting away like a little child. Um, a bad look for Mike Leach. Look, not only was the year a disaster for him uh, on, as far as on the field results, but then this is a terrible look. And then in the in the press conference afterwards he says well i'm not gonna say that our guys are are the ones at fault yet so i don't will you know i don't get thrown i don't have press conference audio but i do have the audio of him talking right after the game let's play that back right now this is mike leach directly post game on the field after the mississippi state tulsa brawl the game and the altercation i'm not sure what exactly caused that but uh you know, I, I, you know that's, uh, there were some before the game, too. Uh, we've never had any problem with that the entire season. So, you know, I mean, I, I can only guess without seeing the film. And this is Mike Leach in the uh, press conference directly after the game answering questions about that brawl. Very nasty day um, for anybody to get in a rhythm and they're constantly serious. Uh, I wish very good, I think. Um, but you know, it was kind of a gutsy game on Kenneth. How important were the two turnovers? Immediately confirmed the fact that we didn't. And, uh, as they marched downfield, and all our touchdowns were scored by young guys that are in post game sequence. Sorry to not ask about the actual game, but what kind of happened there in terms of your view, uh, and kind of how that thing devolved there? I don't know. That's a good question. I'm kind of curious. Um, <laughs> All of a sudden, there was a mosh pit out there. Um, uh, during warm-up, they, <coughs> a group of their guys circled around our warm-up and were talking and things like that. And then um, I really don't know. You know, I mean, I, <coughs> I haven't seen enough film or anything to um, <coughs> entirely let us off the hook on this thing by any stretch. Um, but we haven't had any trouble with that sort of thing. Uh, all season other than you know a thing uh, here or there we really haven't had any trouble with that now I don't know if they have or not uh, I I don't really know where the basis of that is um, you know I've always thought Major League Baseball had the best point of view on it you know um, you know anybody you like on the other team you can go ahead and call them uh, the next day or the next week or whatever you know Major League Baseball just walks in their dugout, which I've always thought that was a <clears throat> that was a pretty good uh, way of going about things, you know. Because anytime there's problems after a game, it's always you know with the handshake stuff. So that's the audio there from Mike Leach, and look, you can understand that he initially he doesn't want to take blame or things like that and blame his players, but. I think we watching can agree everyone was to blame, but sometimes emotions get high, things happen. So what do you think? I mean, was this more a product of bad sportsmanship, maybe not having a hold of the players? Is this something normal and natural that we should ignore? What do you think this is? Like, what's what's the bottom well, line here? Well, look, when you listen to him talk, which I definitely did, um, <laughs> you know, he... Uh, to, to me, it seems like he he kind of knows, look, there were some rumors before the game that the Tulsa players were, were kind of circling around some uh, some Mississippi State players during warm-ups and talking shit or whatever. But, you know, look, I get it. This is just this is par for the course for Mike Leach. If it was my football team, I just want to hear my coach say, look, you know, I don't know who's responsible yet, but I can tell you that if they are, guys are going to be punished. But instead, he's just saying boys will be boys. Uh, this is you know, typical for sports and maybe it is, but when you, when you're in a bowl game, specifically the armed forces bowl game where you're representing, you know, servicemen and women in this country, I, I think it's a really bad look. 
you know, you add it on to the bad season that, that, uh, that Mississippi State's had already. I just don't love it for Mike Leach. Uh, I get that this, these kind of things do happen. Who knows, you know, what exactly was said or how it was started. But uh, bad, especially for him to be in the stands taking photos with fans while it happens, you know, it's just like, like, what are you, what are you doing, man? You got to be out on the field pulling these players apart. Instead, you know, he's, he's hugging fans and and taking selfies with, with Bulldog fans. So I just don't love it. Um, This has been a bad year for Mike Leach, no doubt. That's just your opinion, Will. I love Mike Leach. (laughs) I love this guy, dude. He could be taking pictures with as many. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can I just try and get something straight here just for a sec? Yeah. Okay. Ed Orgeron can be caught on social media in bed with a with a child, with a teenager, and you're gonna no, just come not a teenager. And you're just gonna come down on thirty, still young for for Coach O though. And you're just gonna come down on 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 fucking Coach Leach for. What speaking the truth, telling things how they are? Oh, come on, a little bit of bias on, Tyler. here. Will. You, can't, you can't compare those two things. If Toto was doing that while the players were out, you know, you are you play favorites. Suspended. That'd be one thing. You play favorites more than anyone I know. Matt Campbell, hey, I like I like Mike Lee. Matt Campbell could get caught red-handed dining dashing, <laughs> and you would try and pretend he tried to pay. Uh, well, you know what? Should we just should we just move from there? Let's get to the goddamn now, now Iowa State game. Let's just get to the Matt, game. Matt Campbell. Look, Tyler goes down with the anti-Matt Campbell <laughs> ship. He he continued to pick against him because he said he's overrated. And once again, Iowa State, they dominate Oregon. Um, the Pac-12 is, look, the Pac-12 is just not very good this year. And uh, the, the Big 12 was, was talented, and Iowa State gave a really good Oklahoma team a run for their money late, beat them once early in the season. And Matt Campbell did a great job there. And I don't know if he's going to end up coaching somewhere else or not, but I think what Tyler needs to do is, look, no one's saying he's Nick Saban. I'm not going to ask you to say that, but you got to admit the guy's a good coach. I mean, he's a decent coach. Look, what he's done, <laughs> what he's done in Iowa State, a lot of people could recreate. And it was funny. I was on a, uh, I did an interview last week with a uh, podcast. Yeah. It's called the It's it, Just It's Just Money. Yeah, right? it's Just Money Pod. Yeah, Give shout out listen. to those guys. They're great. Absolutely. Give it a listen. Give them a follow on Twitter. It's Just Money Podcast. And what what's funny about that is they have uh, uh, an Iowa State fan on their staff. And yeah, sure. <laughs> he he was. He's like, yeah, I'm an Iowa State fan, so what do you think of Matt Campbell? And and I'm like, oh, shit, right? Because finally it's real. Finally I'm not bashing, I had to talk to people. But, <laughs> but honestly, I believe it. It's like, look, I understand that he's a good coach. And that was my point on the show when I did, when I did the interview. He's a good coach. I don't think there's anyone who watches college football who would disagree with the fact that he's a good coach. But everyone pretends he's one of the better coaches in college football. Everyone pretends like he's always going to be up for the next Ohio State or Alabama or Jets or, or L.A. Chargers job. It's like, can we pump the brakes? He has won eight games every year since he's been to Ohio State or Iowa State. Eight games was his max. This year, finally, in a COVID year, where everything is bizarre, everything is so weird, you're, you're, you're finding wins left and right where you probably shouldn't even be winning games, and he finishes, finally, finishes 9-3. and three. I mean, my God, Will, Matt Campbell in his career at Iowa State is 35 and 28. This guy is average. He wins just enough games to get attention. And I understand you're doing it with Iowa State. Big fucking deal. If he went to Alabama, he would get steamrolled by other teams in the SEC. I think he's good, not great. But the idea he's one of the better coaches in the country is crazy. I don't know anyone else who could go 35 and 28 and be heralded as the best coach in football. He's overrated. He's good, not great, and I stand by that. All right. Well, first of all, Tyler, I got to push back on that. Now, look, you're you're doing. Uh, no one is comparing him to Nick Saban and these other guys. So to and, say, oh, he'd go to Alabama and not win. But here's the thing: is that you said you think anybody could go? A lot of guys could go to Iowa State and do that. Except they haven't had a conference title since 1912. Okay, so but look the at the last four years. Anybody can go to Iowa, Iowa State when no one else has. 
Ignore this year, okay? I understand they went nine and three this year. Fine, great, good. You went nine and three in a year where you're picking people off. It's a strange year. Before this, at Iowa State, he went three and nine, eight and five, eight and five, and seven and six. That brings us yeah, to a record. Yeah, but look at the wins. Look at what he inherited. The year before that, they went three and nine. The year before that, they went two and ten. The year before that, they went three and nine. I mean, this is a team that is used to. He took over a bad program, and yeah, the first year he didn't turn it around, but then this, after the second year, he's won. All right, so you know what? We're going to bring everything back in. We just lost Will suddenly. That's the issue of bringing someone in through the phone. So, Will, I know you're getting a little heated. You left off at <laughs> his first two years, he did blank. Now you take in it his, away. In his first two years, he got Iowa State you know, rank as high as 14th in the country. And guess what? This year, they were ranked at number eight in the AP. And Tyler, that's the highest ranking they've had in 125 years of college hit of, of their team's history. Look, I'm not, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm not trying to get you to say that he's a top four or five coach even in college football. But to just say he's average, I, just, I, I don't think that's true. I think he's good, not great. I believe there are a lot of other coaches. Look, I think right now, I could name 25 coaches who could do what he's doing at Iowa State. Okay. I mean, I, I could probably name 25 that can't because I'm looking at their school history and none of them have, have done it. I mean, and some of them are Hall of Fame level coaches. Earl Bruce, a legendary Ohio State Hall of Fame national championship winning coach. Uh, the best year he ever had there was eight and four. How about Gene Chizik won a national championship at Auburn? He was there in 2007, 2008, and never got more than three wins. No, I, I, mean, under, I the- understand that, but I think that there's if Gene Chizik were to go to Iowa State, he would do very, very well. Look, look right now, let's do, do a rough top 25, okay? And I'm going to name quickly, I'll try and be quick, I'll name 25 head coaches who I think could go to Iowa State and repeat what Matt Cam- the great Matt Campbell's doing, okay? <laughs> All right, yes or just give yeah, me a quick yeah. yes or no, okay? Quick yes or okay. no. Okay. And wait, we're talking about taking it over from where he got it at the beginning, yes, right? And then yes, getting it there. Yes, it yes. Okay. Okay. Nick Saban. Yes. Dabo Sweeney. Yes. Ed Orgeron. You, yes. Lincoln Riley. Yes. Kirby Smart. Yes. Brian Kelly. Yes. Ryan Day. Hmm. That's oh, interesting, but oh, yes, I think so. Break. I mean, hey, he, we haven't seen him take over a bad program. That's all. Okay, you're right, but I mean, come on. Ryan Day, yes or no? Yes. Okay, Dan Mullen. Hmm. Yes. Jimbo Fisher. Yes. Jim Harbaugh. Uh, yes. Paul Christ. Paul Christ, excuse me. Christ. Uh, I'm going to say no on that one. Gus Malzahn. Um, no. Mac Brown. Yes. Mario Cristobal. Mm. Come on. Mario uh, Cristobal is as uh, good yes. as... And look, here, here, before, I'm not trying to interrupt you, but, but one point I want to make is that of all the coaches you've named so far, they're all at premier programs, and Matt Campbell's not at one. But go ahead. Tom Herman. No. Gary Patterson. No. Are you kidding me? You yeah, think, I don't think you that. think Matt Campbell has done more with Iowa State than Gary Patterson would? Gary Patterson went to TCU. No one knew who the hell the Horned Frogs were. And how's were. he doing there? How's he doing there? He he's can doing get good. He's making bowl games. He's progressed. He's. You don't think that Gary Patterson could do at Iowa State what what they're doing now? Let's let's agree that Iowa doesn't have fine. the recruiting talent. Fine, Texas. Okay. No, you were. It's a no for Gary Patterson. Kyle yep. Whittingham. Yes. Mike Leach. Will, don't you dare. You know he could fucking turn that program around. You know he could turn that shit program around. Uh, all right. Just just because I don't want you to explode, I'll say yes. Mike Gundy. Uh, yes. 
David Shaw. No. Oh my God, you're crazy! You are crazy! You you are being Skip Bayless. You are being Skip Bayless. Where is he taking it? You are being Stephen A. Smith. You don't think David Shaw would do what he's doing? He he took over a a Stanford program that Jim Harbaugh left him in perfect shape. So no, I don't. Okay, he's made it worse by the way. Okay, we're playing. You know what? We're playing your game, Will. It's a no then. (laughs) Your game, Jesus Christ. Right, anyway, they, this should be an easy yes. Kirk Ferentz. Yes. PJ Fleck. Uh, God, that's tough. Uh, yes, I'll say yes. Bronco Mendenhall. How many coaches are we at? By the way, I'm curious. Uh, we are at twenty. Uh, we are at twenty-four, and you have said no to five. Right. Okay. That's fine. I, and, you and, get what and, I'm saying here. You get my point. When you go yes. on this whole coaching list, the whole idea that Matt Campbell is a top 25 coach is ludicrous. It's absolutely fucking laughable. And so, is he no, good? I think this is proving he is a top 25 coach. No, I think no. I'm not saying he's a top five. And all the other, my, my point earlier still counts is that mo, all, almost all of those names, except for a couple, are at are at really good programs. And all I'm saying, I'm not saying that he's good enough to coach. Alabama like Nick Saban, but he should he's he's good enough to get a job at a top tier program. Can like I give you can I give you ten more names that I would put above him in any coaching uh, coaching situation? Sure, I will yeah. give you ten more names, Will, and we're getting up there. Okay, Bronco yep. Mendenhall, Jeremy Pruitt, debatable. Jeremy Pruitt, yeah, uh, Jeremy Pruitt. I'm saying no to, but okay. Mark Stoops, Pat Fitzgerald, Scott Satterfield. Herm Edwards, Dave Clawson, Chris Kleiman, which a lot of people don't give Chris Kleiman any respect to Kansas State. That guy is doing all he should do and more. Chris Kleiman's a good coach. Scott Frost, Les Miles, Neil Brown, Will Muschamp, Lane Kiffin, Pat Narduzzi, Tom Allen, Brian Harson, Josh Hupel, Will. The list goes on and on. Again, my goal here is not to make Matt Campbell seem insignificant. It's to let everyone else know that there's a lot of college football coaches who would repeat what he's doing. He's good, not great. Does he deserve the next big coaching job? No. He should stay at Iowa State where he's comfortable, win games, don't go anywhere else. You'll succeed. You'll do well as a Cyclone. Don't move. You're overrated. That's my whole point. Well, look... Fair point. You make make a lot of fair points, and yeah, uh, should he just be automatically anointed to the top fifteen, top twenty coaches? I don't know, but uh, you know, when you're talking about how many of those guys, let's say, you know, just just to throw out there a reason why people talk about Matt Campbell this way, how many of those guys are willing to leave their job or even available when we're talking about head coaching? No, that's true. That's true. That's why that's why you hear that guy's name so much when a program needs a new head coach. No, they're not going to get. They probably can't get ten of those guys at least. So I think that's why you hear about him because he seems gettable because he is at Iowa State. And that's the and look, thing. at this point. No, go ahead. At, 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 at this point, I hope he does take a big program job because then that way we can finally settle it if he's that good or not. Exactly. That, that, exactly. But my whole point is when I start rattling these coaches off, everyone, not just you, everyone goes, oh, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like almost everyone forgets how many good coaches are yeah. in the sport. Like, again, I'll name five more off the top of my head. Justin Wilcox. Luke mm, Fickle. We didn't even mention it. Luke Fickle through the uh, whole yeah, thing. Yeah, Luke Fickle, definitely. Yep. Chip Kelly. I mean, come on. You don't think Chip Kelly could yeah. do that? Yeah, in college. Yes, Ma- yeah, Ma- you're right. Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz yeah. at, at Miami. And let me give you one final name that no one. That one. One final name that no one's talking about. Who I think he's done a great job. Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. Like. These are coaches who know what they're doing. And I know what you're going to say. Georgia Tech, they suck. They haven't won. They, Dude, Georgia Tech has had a much better year than most people would have thought. Would you agree with that? Like, yeah, definitely. So, you know, but again, look, I, don't, I, 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 would, I would take Matt Campbell over, over Jeff Collins. I would. I think Matt Campbell's a better coach than Jeff Collins. My point is we've got to pump the brakes. People are way too high on this guy. That's my whole point. I'm done. I'm Fair. done. My last point is that Iowa State won, and I got the Bedford victory, <laughs> Tyler. Uh, moving on. You're you right. Did. We do need to move on. The, the Peach Bowl, the Georgia versus Cincinnati. Uh, Georgia wins 24-21. Tough break for the Bearcats. They wanted to finish the season unbeaten. 
but look, a great season. No shame in losing to a, a really good Georgia team. Um, great season for Cincinnati. And they showed they can compete with top teams in the Power Five. And you're right, Tower. Luke Fickle, there's a reason why, why uh, you know, he's been, his name is being tossed around in big programs. I still tend to believe that he's holding on for, you know, one of the top level openings. You know, maybe he is hoping that Ryan Day leaves Ohio State and he can jump in there and, and go to his alma mater. But a fantastic year for Cincinnati. And unfortunately, they had the lead on, on uh, Georgia and Georgia came back and took it late. I love Cincy. I love what they're doing there. They're doing a great job. I that that is college football, you know. And when you see a program like yes. that succeed, they beat they they compete with Georgia. Uh, I, I'll be the first to admit, you know, I didn't love the idea of Cincinnati in the Final Four, but man, you love to see programs like that compete and do well. Yeah. And uh, congrats to the Bearcats this year. Great year. Great year. Definitely another uh, group of five team that was hoping to remain undefeated. Unfortunately, Coastal Carolina, they lose to Liberty, the team they were supposed to play early on. Big win for Hugh Freeze. Um, you know, we, his name being thrown out there a lot for other openings. Looks like he's probably going to end up staying there for now, but uh, that was an entertaining game. Also, uh, Northwestern against Auburn in the Citrus Bowl. Northwestern just dominated Auburn. A really bad That's year for fuck. Auburn. I know they had no business being in the New Year's Six Bowl, and so good. Good on Pat Fitzgerald to get a big win for them. A great year for them. Um, and then Tyler will end it with the. Un- unfortunately, we were both wrong on the Orange Bowl, North Carolina versus Texas A and M. Texas A and M, they get a late cover. UNC kind of had them there. They were really they were right there for three and a half quarters. Looked like they might have even won, and then you know Texas A and M gets a late touchdown and then another another score after that in order to uh, to get the cover for the Aggies. I was a sad panda. I had money on UNC. I had money on those Tar Heels and they blew okay. it last minute. I'm yep. angry. I'm yep. a sad panda. I'm not happy, dude. No. So I don't want to talk I about know. it. I uh, know. fair enough, fair enough. Well, uh, that's all we got for the recaps of Tyler. All we got left to do now unless you have something else you want to talk about is uh, is the championship game breakdown. I do our best have bet. something else I want to talk about. Okay. 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 So let me play a little bed here, a little music, a little... Oh, that's nice. All right, Will. Yeah, I can Wait. hear it. That's why Can you nice. hear it? No, I can't hear oh, it. Oh, I was going to say, because I'm about to turn oh, it I can just picture it. It's I'm going to turn it, it up nice a little bit because... It, it, no, it's some nice under music for this because... There we go. I like this. Now you can't hear it, but this is... Ne- uh... Off-season headlines for coaches. So this is headlines that have to do with head coaches in college football, okay? Yep. And this will probably be done in the next, uh, I don't know, two, three weeks, something like that. Because it can't be too long, okay? All right, so anyway, headlines for college football head coaches, okay? Number one, Dabo caught dabbing. So <laughs> I think that's already been a headline. For the, Tyler. He's dabbed before. <laughs> no, I'm talking dabbing like marijuana. Like for those who don't understand, oh. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't understand, dabbing is like something you can do, like like smoking weed. And so that's I think right. we I are think, in Colorado. That's all. Uh, <laughs> any F- FBI, uh, you know, listeners out there, any fans that are part of the DEA, we are in a legal state for that. <laughs> exactly. Dabo caught dabbing. Okay, he's going to be depressed, okay. upset. He's dabbing like in an alley somewhere, and he's caught. He could probably right? use some of that out, in my opinion. <laughs> Dude, he needs to chill. He definitely could. <laughs> okay, number two, and this is a Florida newspaper, maybe like the Tallahassee Post. Okay. Okay. Coach Dan, no, no, not Tallahassee. What? Where is Florida? It's down in Jackson, Miami, uh, Jackson. Gainesville. 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 So this is the Gainesville Post. Okay. Coach Dan gets into fight with Fan, right? Because mm. it rhymes Dan and Fan. So Coach Dan Just Mullen, one yeah, he gets into a fight with one fan. Maybe at the grocery store or gas station or something. They they have a few words mm. and he gets into a fight. So Dan, Coach Dan gets into fight with Fan. Okay, next one. And this is just funny. I had to do this after Tom Herman got fired. So this is an Austin <laughs> Austin area newspaper. Okay, Tom yep. Herman. Coaches like a German. <laughs> you like that or that not? That he's going to coach coach his way to a loss in two world wars? I don't know what it meant, but it rhymes. There's not too many things around with Herman, and German does. So That's right. I had to force point. that. 
All right. Furman. You could you could have gone with that. Furman. Mm. Yep. Oh, I Tom, like that too. Tom That's Tom nice. Furman. Yes. Okay. Well, right. Next next Tom headline. This is a part of a TMZ. Harbaugh caught naked, drunk, and exposed in Michigan strip club. So they, are, they, are you predicting these or yes, just ones you want to see? I, I'm predicting these. I think Jim Boy, Harbaugh will be so overwhelmed and caught up from his extension. For those who don't know, Jim Harbaugh just got an extension at Michigan. He's going to be there for... Not the official, f- yeah, but sounds like it. It yes. sounds like it's official, yes. We will unofficially break the news here on College Football right, Tailgate. Yes, exactly. So, I think the headline will be Harbaugh caught naked drunk and exposed in Michigan Strip Club, I think will tonight or or some night in the next week he goes off. He goes on a bender. I'd like to see that. He goes I mean, on a bender. He gets caught up with some local college kids. He blacks out and wakes up in prison and this is our headline. Well, that might finally get him fired, so uh, we'll <laughs> see what happens there. And very last here, Clay Heldon chooses to keep invisibility cloak on. This is so stupid. I kept this was one of my last ones. I kept <laughs> what does I kept that, mean? <laughs> that a Harry Potter reference? It is a Harry Potter reference, yes. Correct. We'll give you a little correct sound effect there. That is a Harry Potter reference. So my whole point here is that Clay Helton has been coaching in the Pac twelve, the terrible Pac twelve, with an invisibility cloak on. Like no one can see him doing his job. He's bad. No one realizes how bad he is. And, uh, yeah, so that last one may have been a bit of a stretch. Just a little warning to all the kids out there. Will? Will? Will Chambers? Are you there, Will? I'm here. Can hey! you hear me? Hey! I've been, I've been here the whole time. I, I know. know what it's audio. It's something in the studio. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm here. I'm here, baby. Thank God you're here. The audience I'm was here. getting real, real sick of me real quick. I am so here. anyway, what, what do you think of those headlines? You like those headlines? I, you know what? I I love the headlines, Tyler. If uh, if any of those things happen, then you're officially a, a witch or a wizard or something. You can predict the future. You're a psychic, a clairvoyant. I mean, that should be known already, right? I've won the bet board two years in a row. Well, I think we might actually have a bet board game going here on this championship oh. game. Right? <laughs> because, All right, Tyler, go. we've got the line, Alabama versus Ohio State. Currently, Alabama is seven and a half point favorites. The total at 75 and a half. That's a huge total. And uh, let's see. Do you know where this game is being played? No Tyler, idea. Is it Miami? I don't know. Do you want me let's to look see. it up? Yes, please. We'll you can do. look it up for me. Will do. Uh, that would be, I think it's Miami. Uh, but anyway, look, Ohio State, the Ohio State and Clemson game is officially fucking with my head here. Uh, I, I thought for sure we were going to have Alabama versus Clemson in a rematch. Um, look, I, I want to take Alabama here. They're an offensive juggernaut. Mac Jones and all his weapons in the passing game. They're, they seem like they're just will, too it's much. Ha- Hard Rock uh, Stadium in uh, Miami. Hard Rock Stadium. Miami. Okay, it is Miami. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, look. Mac Jones, his weapons, it seems like it's to the point where even if Ohio State were to take away Najee Harris and, uh, and the running game, I still think they can score a lot just throwing the ball with all the, the weapons that Mac Jones has. But I thought that same thing about Clemson before this matchup with Ohio State. You know, you look at Ohio State's pass defense, it was bad all year long. And then against Clemson, you know, it looked a little bit more like the pass defense from 2019 for the Buckeyes. Uh, but how much of that was Clemson not having their offensive coordinator to call plays after after the scripted plays in the first drive. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier in the show that Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator for Alabama, he, uh, he's taking the Texas job, but he is going to stay on in Alabama for this last game. But how much of his attention is going to be taken away from, you know, from planning the game plan here? When he's trying to put together a staff at Texas, he's talking to recruits. You have to wonder about his focus for this game. Uh, Alabama's de- Alabama's defense on the other side looked very good against Notre Dame, but uh, I mentioned before, Ian Book, he's not Justin Fields. And with how good Fields looked against Clemson, I think Ohio State can score on this Alabama defense. You know, then again, you, I have to consider Justin Fields, how healthy he's going to be. He got beat up really bad against Clemson. You know, uh, Ryan Day has come out and said he is going to play. He's practicing. But how healthy will he be? Uh, the one thing I noticed in Alabama's game versus Notre Dame was – 
their run defense, it was not that great against against the Irish. And with how insane Trey Sermon has been in the last two games and how good the Buckeyes' offensive line has been, if I had to put a bet on who's going to have the bigger game between Trey Sermon and Najee Harris, I think I'm going to pick Trey Sermon. Um, another factor here that is just interesting to note, Ohio State, they're just not used to being an underdog. Since, since Urban Meyer took over at Ohio State, which is about seven or eight years ago, They've been an underdog just five times. And in those five games, they're four and one against the spread. The one time they didn't cover was last year against Clemson in the semifinals where it was still a close game, but they didn't cover a two and a half point spread there. Um, I really think, I, I feel like this game can go either way, but I just can't help but feel like seven and a half is, t- is too much, especially when I, I really feel like Ohio State can win this game. And for that reason, I'm taking the Buckeyes plus seven and a half here, Tyler. Okay, Will, so the season's over, right? We, I have the bet board victory. You have the victory. I, I, I have four games in hand, I believe. So yes. I'm four. Yes. So I'm going to take uh, Alabama, minus seven and a half. You know, I like the... Uh, regardless? Regardless. Alabama... Wait, what'd you say? I, I said, do you think... Let's let's just, for, uh, for argument's sake, if this game meant everything for the bet board... You think you're still taking Alabama? Hell no. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I'm taking Alabama because this season is wrapped up. I know I've got the win. Let's get excited about Bama. Look, seven and a half points is too many. I like seven, not seven and a half. And I think with Ohio State, the one thing we all underestimated is how really talented this team is. Now, that may seem crazy because this is one of the best teams in terms of recruiting the last 20 years, but when you yep. get on the field, it takes a couple games to gel. Okay, It takes a couple games to get everybody on the same page. So I thought last game there would be a hangover, a bit of a slow start from Ohio State. We're getting out here for the for a, against a great team for the first time all year, but that didn't affect them. So I think they're going to come out and look yep. good against Alabama. The only problem is Alabama's elite themselves. Alabama's a very, very good football team. I don't care yep. about Steve Sarkeesian. Whether he's coaching or not, they're going to get their yards. So I think Alabama wins, probably covers, because it doesn't matter in the bet board game. We'll take the uh, – uh, Crimson Tide minus seven and a half, but Will, you know this is locked up. It's done. It is done, and you are the champion. An interesting note: two years in a row, two years in a row, two years in a row. He's two and zero, oh, uh, back to back champ. Back-to-back. Tyler, you know he deserves all the accolades, all the trophies. Um, look, you know you mentioned just to go back to the game for a minute. Um, you know you expected Ohio State to have a bit of a hangover against Clemson. I almost wonder if there might be a hangover after their big dominating win against Clemson now. Everyone right. everyone doubted them. The difference is that they still get to play the underdog card here, which, you know, as I mentioned before, they don't get to do often. I do think that will motivate Ohio State. But, you know, I'll, look, I'm excited for this game. If we're going to have an end-of-the-year matchup, um, you know, I'm sure uh, Clemson-Alabama would have been entertaining too, but it's nice to have, you know, a bit of a newer matchup. Uh, these two teams faced in the very first college football playoffs in the semifinal round, and Ohio State ended up winning and winning it all that year. Um, and so it's, it's nice to have a new matchup here. I'm excited about it. It's been a tumultuous college football season to say the least. And, uh, and man, what, what an ending we're, we're about to get here, Tyler. I'm really excited about it. I am too, man. We're going to rent, we're going to uh, wrap the season up, go, you know, very well with these couple teams, Alabama, Ohio state, two of the best teams in college football. I can't wait to see what happens. And uh, of course yep. we'll, we'll finish everything up next uh, week with, our awards and we'll look to the off season. So it's going to be good stuff. That's right. That's right. Just another couple episodes for us. So uh, we want to thank you guys all for listening. Hopefully next week we can back, we can be back in the studio with Smitty. Um, but uh, thank you guys for listening as always. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at CFB underscore pod. Uh, and uh, make sure you're subscribed on Spotify on whatever podcast player you're listening. And uh, we'll see you guys next week on the college football tailgate.